Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our worship service at uh, Heritage Church of Christ. We thank you for joining in with us. As most of you know, we're going to start uh, back in our, our auditorium our, uh, and our, at our church building on July 5th. Our leadership is working hard to get that going, to bring everybody in uh, safely so there won't be any spread of any disease. We'll keep you posted on our progress. Well, at this time, uh, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for our many blessings, Father. We're especially grateful for this church at Heritage. It's a church that truly loves each other, they care for each other, and they want the best for each other, and we thank you for that. Father, we thank you for this great country that offers so much opportunity for, for everyone. It's the greatest country in, on the planet. Father, this country of ours is in strife right now, and we pray that you'll bring peace to it. Father, we also want to pray for those that have been affected by the tornado that recently hit Middle Tennessee, that you'll return their lives to normal. We want to pray for the victims of this terrible uh, uh, coronavirus, that you'll heal them, that you'll be with the scientists that are trying to find a cure and, uh, and, a, and a vaccine. Uh, Father, we also want to pray for the doctors and the nurses and the first responders that are literally putting their life on the line to, to help help others. Father, we also want to pray for, for those that are ill in our congregation, that you'll return their health. We pray for those people that are mourning due to the loss of a loved one's father, uh, that you'll comfort them. Father, forgive us of our sins and, and bless each and every one of us. We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day.
I know that we are excited for July 5th as we attempt to come back together using CDC guidelines. And we do ask that uh, you please make the right decision for yourself personally when it comes to uh, coming back together in large crowds. But we will be following the policies and procedures um, from our government as we attempt to come together on July 5th and following um, and look so look forward to seeing many many of you face to face but also know that if you are not able to join us we will have our um, service live online and you will be able to continue to see that through our website as you have for the last three months but it will be great to bring everybody back together as much as we can over the next several Sundays starting on July 5th so this morning, um, as we think about our lesson, a couple weeks ago we talked about, I was standing at the Lord's table, at the um, communion table at the church building at Heritage, and we talked about that, that Last Supper. We talked about Jesus reclining at the table with his closest followers once he had groomed and, and gave a 
a command to go and to make a difference in the world that they lived in. And they did that. Um, we know the end of the story. But he gave valuable words to them at that time. And I want us to look at John 15, because John 15 is right in the middle of what many people consider as uh, the upper room discourse. And what were the last words that Jesus was going to give his apostles um, to make a difference in their life for them to go and to transform the world? And I want to start out by a, a story that I found. It says, many years ago at the Tournament of Roses Parade, the Standard Oil Company, also known as Chevron, had a beautiful float. In the middle of the parade, the oil company's float came to a grinding halt and the rest of the parade with it. It had run out of gas. The directors of the Chevron float had done everything well, but they neglected to avail themselves of their company's vast resources of oil. The parade waited while someone ran to get a gallon of gas. But this isn't just about the Rose Bowl Parade. It's not about a oil company and the billions of dollars they make every year off of gasoline and the irony of running out of gas on their float in the middle of the most important parade of the year. But many times we see this in Christians. We see this in churches because we break down right in the middle of the parade. And it's impossible for the kingdom of God to be put on halt so that some deacon can go and fetch a gallon of gospel. Uh, sometimes we neglect to realize the pure strength and power that we have inside of us, and we don't tap into that to go the long route. Uh, we fail to abide in Christ when we ourselves are ineffective. But the truth comes from John chapter 15, 1 through 8, which we're going to study about this morning. The key to effective Christian living and powerful fruit-producing lives is not how much Bible you know. It's not how long you pray. It's not how many fancy words you use when you're talking to God. It's not about the church that you go to. The key to being used greatly by God is abiding in Christ. And we're going to talk about what does that abiding in Christ mean. And I'm going to be honest with you, this John chapter 15, the true vine, this section talks a lot about bearing fruit. And like I said, I'm going to be honest, I used to think up to probably a couple of weeks ago that if you did not bear fruit as a Christian, then you were going to go to hell. I believe that. I thought that this section truly meant that. But the more study I have put into it because of some comments and some, some thoughts that were made in a Bible class within the last year, I wanted to understand what this truly mean, meant in John chapter 15. And I'll go ahead and, and ruin the surprise that it doesn't mean, just because you don't bear fruit as a Christian doesn't mean that you are going to hell but it does have significance in your life. So let's turn to John chapter 15 in your Bibles. We're going to look at verse by verse, but John chapter 15 starting in verse 1 is where we're going to start. And you're going to notice that this section is going to set us up for our sermon, for our lesson, for our theme on July 5th, because I want us to concentrate on love. Why are we so excited to come back together on July 5th? Why does the world that we live in right now and the chaos of the last three months and continuing until today, why do we all need love? And so this section of John 15 is going to set us up for our um, July 5th sermon and beyond. <coughs> Let's start in John 15 verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now, that starts right off the bat. It's not, it's not playing around. This is red letters in my Bible because this is Jesus talking to his apostles. Remember, these are down to the 11 because Judas Iscariot has already left the room 
because Jesus recognized that he was going to betray him. He has left the room. So these 11 men are the ones that are going to go out and to make a difference. And so Jesus is truly giving his commencement address of his seminary, his 33 years on the earth, to these 11 men who are going to go out and change the world. And he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine. Jesus is that source. Jesus is that power to tap into. And my father is the vine dresser. My father is the one who is taking care of me. Jesus is the vine God is the caretaker of the vine, and God has one job to do, and that's to fully know and take care of that one vine being Jesus Christ. Now, to better understand this and to not think just because you don't bear fruit, you ought to be cut off, you ought to be burned, and you ought to be sent to hell, to understand that better... We have to understand what a true vineyard goes through. What do vines go through that bear grapes to make wine? Now, I am not a wine drinker. I've never liked the taste of it. But there is huge significance in understanding what it means to take care of a vineyard. What does it mean to truly take care of a vine that produces a grape. And those grapes depend on the core vine that it shoots off of. And Jesus is saying, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Let's cut it off right there. No one else is going to give you the power and strength that you need. No one. Job is not, sports is not, Money is not a big house, a nice car, lots of family members, um, being popular, being famous. None of that is going to give you true power and strength. Jesus is the vine. God takes care of that vine. In verse 2, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, at first I thought that was, you know, if you're not bearing fruit as a Christian, cut you off, put you aside, we're done with you. But it says here, in understanding the Greek a little deeper in my study, every branch of me that does not bear fruit. First, you have to be a branch that is coming off the vine you have to be a Christian that is seeking your power from Jesus Christ himself. No one else is going to give you that power. So he starts in verse 2 by saying, Every branch in me, if you are part of the Jesus vine, if you have a lifestyle in Jesus, then you are part of a branch that shoots off that vine and you are going to bear fruit. And if you don't bear fruit, you are not cut off and thrown away. But the vine dresser in God is, kind of, is going to come around and he is going to lift you up. The Greek there literally means he is going to take away. He is going to lift you up. It's not a great translation in English. But the true meaning is that it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He, he, God is going to lift up and encourage to follow. He's not going to take a knife and slice you right off right then and there. As soon as you make a mistake, as soon as you do something wrong, as soon as you turn your back on God, he is not going to slice you in half and say, I'm done with you. But he says he takes away. He is literally going to lift you up because a vineyard, a vine growing out of the ground, you want less branches, twigs, sprags at the bottom of that vine. You want them 
up towards the top so they're seeking the moisture and the nutrients off of that vine and they are producing and if you go to a vineyard you see lines and lines of grapes of vineyards of vines being wrapped onto these lines to keep them off the ground so that they can bear fruit that's the exact same way in our christian life when we do fall away when we take our eyes off of jesus when we are not bearing fruit god is lifting you up god is lifting you up off of the ground and he is tying you on very close to that vine in jesus christ he is lifting you up he is tying you up he is holding you up so that you can come back and bear good fruit and he's pruning you in the second part of verse 2 and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear even more fruit you don't want offshoots of a vine of a branch that is bearing grapes you don't want extra offshoots of unnecessary branches he is pruning you. And like I showed you in the teaser of the lesson earlier this week, as I was walking down the road just finishing my, my run. Excuse me for the, the grandfather clock chime. But I was, I was talking about how I was taking responsibility of my own health and running on a consistent basis because I needed to prune myself. I needed to to take care of myself. I needed to bear even more healthy produce because that's important. And Jesus is doing the same. God is doing the same here. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear even more fruit. Sometimes we have to cut the weeds away in order to produce even more. We had a friend when we lived in Honduras. We had a friend who owned a coffee plantation. And it was so interesting to go up there and to get, get hands-on instruction on how the best coffee bean is produced. And I understand better the difference between a Starbucks bag of, of coffee beans and a Folgers bag of coffee beans. There is a growth there is a development difference in those two qualities of coffee beans. But you don't want this just massive bush growing. You want the bush to be about three, four, five feet tall at the max so that it can soak all the water, all the nutrients, all the strength and value from that trunk to produce the ultimate beans. The highest quality coffee bean is one that is very near the trunk of the bush and is able to get all the nutrients it needs. That is the exact same thing that's happening with grapes on a vine in a vineyard. And it's exactly the same thing that happens with our lives as Christians. Those who are closest to the vine, those who are closest to Jesus, soaking up that strength and that nutrients from him are the ones who are going to bear the most fruit. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. He Remember, he's talking to the 11 apostles. These are his true followers. These are ones who are going to follow him to the day he dies and beyond, literally. You are already clean, he tells those 11 because of the word I have given, because of the holy example that I have given you. In verse 4, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. A grape, the best quality grape for a wine is not going to be one that is coming off a weed on the ground. The best quality grape on a vine 
is one that is close to that vine and one that has been pruned and has been developed and has been nurtured and has been lifted up and has been tied up, has been held up so that it can grow to its full potential. That happens in that vine. That happens in that vineyard with that grape on that vine. This is exactly the, 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 the perfect science, the perfect strategy for a good wine. But that also happens in our Christian walk. Because it says in verse 4, Abide in me and I in you. Those who are bearing the best fruit as Christians are ones who are walking hand in hand with Jesus. And they know they make mistakes. They know they sin. But they also know that God is using those experiences. God is using those mistakes to lift us up, to hold us up, and to allow us to bear good fruit. Verse 5, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, here bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. How true is that? The secret of bearing good fruit. The secret of others seeing the good actions that you do. The secret of others seeing you and saying, something is different about that person. They don't do this, this, and this, and they do do this, this, and this. Something's different about them. The secret to that is abiding in Jesus. That's having fellowship with Jesus. That's walking in the steps of Jesus. That's holding the hand of Jesus. That's allowing God to lift you up, to prune you, to help you get through the hard times, to get through the mistakes, to get through the sin in your life. He's lifting you up. He's holding you up so that a setback can become a comeback. And people around you can see the good fruit you are bearing through Jesus Christ. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Now, this is the key point I used to think. If you're not bearing fruit, you're going to be cut off by God, and you're going to burn in hell. But to understand this, I've looked at so many commentaries on this verse specifically. And it says, if you don't abide in me, if you turn your back on Jesus, if you turn your back on God, then you're not walking with them. And you are going to wither. If you are an offshoot of that vine who's just doing whatever it wants to, scattering along the, uh, the ground, soaking up nutrients from weeds and grass and other bad things, you are going to be consumed by the badness. You're going to be consumed by the world. You're going to be consumed by the wrong. And it says there, and they, in the second part of verse 6, and they gather them and throw them into the fire. Many commentaries really believe that's the world. The word they is the world. The world will gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Because the world is looking for people to do what they actually said they're going to do. Isn't that common? As Christians... The reason people do not come to church, the reason people do not follow God, the reason people look at us as Christians and say, there's no difference between me and him, is, is hypocrisy. It's because we say one thing and then we do the opposite. We are called here. If we are abiding in Jesus, if we're in fellowship with Jesus, if we're walking with Jesus, yeah, we make mistakes but we also do what we say we're going to do. We walk the walk 
and we talk the talk. Both of those go hand in hand. We walk the talk. Because if not, all the world is doing is gathering all of us together and saying, well, they're just like everybody else. Let's throw them away. They don't mean anything. Let's be different. Let's be followers of Jesus Christ. And let's allow people to look at us and say, there's something different about him. There's something different about her. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. If you are bearing fruit for God, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you are a branch that is coming off the vine of divinity, there are benefits. There are benefits of good fruit. And that is, God says, or Jesus says right here, if you ask what you desire, it shall be done for you. If we walk hand in hand with Jesus and we ask and we're in true fellowship with him, he will do it for you. Why? Verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Why does goodness come from following Jesus? So that God is glorified. And that the world around us sees that we actually do what we said we're going to do. And God is glorified. And we bear much fruit for Jesus. Now, our question this morning is, only you know if you are in true fellowship with Jesus Christ. Only you and God truly know if you are walking hand in hand with Jesus. Only you and God truly know where your heart lies. So I ask you this morning, or I ask you this afternoon, I ask you tonight, I ask you whenever you are watching this, whether it's by yourself, with a loved one, with family members, with others from, from church, with a caretaker, with a nurse, with a visitor, with a neighbor, whoever you might be, how are you doing spiritually? And where is your heart? What fellowship are you a part of? It's not the name of the church on the marquee. It is what is inside your heart. Because what is inside your heart is what the world truly sees. And that's the fruit that you're going to bear. I encourage you today to spend time with God. I encourage you today to examine your heart. I encourage you today to walk in the footsteps of Jesus because there are benefits. That benefit is bearing good fruit. If we can help you in any way, please, please, we beg that you contact a leader at Heritage Church of Christ. We want to pray for you. We want to lay our hands upon you and comfort you. We want to be there for you in the good times. We want to be there for you in the challenging times. Because God, we have seen that in the vineyard. God, the vine dresser, lifts up those vines, holds them up, ties them on those strings so that they can get the true nutrients from the vine. We want to help you in that. We want to be the hands and feet of God and lift you up and hold you strong and encourage you to find your true strength from Jesus Christ because only He provides all the strength that we need. Let us sing together.
into heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope, who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages set down from glory to where my sin and bear my shame. The cross has this morning and I'd like to read Luke chapter 22 verses 14 through 20. It reads, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I, will for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. I find it interesting how the act of eating throughout the Bible can be so symbolic. In these verses, Jesus uses this meal of bread and wine as a way for us to connect with him. On the other hand, Satan used deception in the act of eating. 
to separate us from God. One bite of disobedience led to death for Adam and Eve and for us. It led to conflict between Adam and Eve. It led to weeds and thorns growing throughout the garden. It led to childbirth pains. It led to a rivalry between their children, Cain and Abel. All of this through the act of one bite and the rebellion against God that it represented. However, this Lord's Supper, it's a celebration. This meal is a celebration of Jesus' victory, his victory over sin, over death, and over Satan. And I think it's a powerful, a powerful testimony when we take this not only to each other, but to the world that we are proclaiming that Jesus is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and he is our Lord and our Savior. So this morning, we take of this meal. Jesus became human and gave up his body and shed his blood, and he fully paid for our sins. And so this morning we celebrate taking this with the, this meal with each other at the table that he has prepared for us. Dylan will now lead us into prayer. If you would, bow your heads, please. If you would pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this bread that represents your body, and please let us take it in a way that pleases you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please bow as we pray for the for the divine. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything that you've given us. Thank you for sending your Son to die upon the cross, save us from our sins. Thank you for this juice that represents the blood shed on the cross. And please be with us as we take it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Stay safe, happy, and healthy, and get along with each other. And um, we want to help the virus dies down so that way we can get along together. And um, so we can do church again together. Amen. We miss you. Can't wait to see you soon. We miss you. Miss you all. Bye. Miss you. I too. Uh, miss you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.